Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to the Bad Podcast. Doug Maurice along with Bill Landis and Ari Wasserman in Ari's apartment on this sticky leather couch. We're going to eat some dominoes and play some video games afterward. First up, who is more famous, Cardale Jones or Michael Thomas? God, I just had a yeah, serious flashback there. <laughs> Those was like- were the days. I was checking the door for dominoes. That really put, I, I really, that really put me back. That sucked me in. Yeah, I was I was there. I was there for about twenty seconds. Yeah, that was nice. Man, simpler those times. Those were the good old days. Simpler times. Those were the good old days. I am tempted to just drive to your former apartment, Ari, and bust in whoever lives there now. Be like, I'm sorry, but I'm coming in. It was the original podcast studio, uh, and then That's we right. we changed it to the lobby of the Woody Hay Center, and in the front seat of Doug's car at McDonald's, and all sorts of different places. And and I'm not going to uh, publish this podcast unless Doug is using a mic from Guitar Hero. <laughs> it is. There is a part of this is like it. It really we've we've got we've sold out. We've all sold out in legitimate ways. It's like, oh, we're real journalists with real equipment now. But what are you going to do? Yeah. At some point in this ad, I'll be reading an erectile dysfunction advertisement. So we've definitely sold out. That's that's for sure. <laughs> they they sent me a thing the other day. That was like, uh, would you read an, an ED ad? And I was like, would I read an ED ad? I've been waiting my whole life to read an erectile dysfunction ad. I'm so jealous of Landis's ad. I think yeah, that the ED like ad actually makes you feel like your podcast made it because not only are you reading an ad, but it means somebody took the time and energy to make sure that the demographic of your podcast fits that. You know, I think it was like a second, there's like a second layer of effort. I remember back in the days of, of the bad podcast and the Genesis of Buckeye talk where we would literally DM people on Twitter that had local businesses saying, do you want to pay us to sponsor our podcast? Yeah. And like now Landis is checking with our producer and I'm going to say that again, our producer to see if there's any ads to read. And like, I don't know uh, if it's, it feels kind of corporate but you know, this would never have been 
possible without the beginning of it. I feel like I don't know if we reversed Ohio State cast, but now there's a million of them and it's harder to stand out. But I feel like we were ahead of the curve at that time. And I think it's also like an interesting time too. And we're going to, we're going to promote Doug's book. And I just bought it and Landis has a copy, but it is kind of funny to think that we are in a really weird time with Ohio state football too. And it's like, this is exactly the type of season that we were in. I think when we first started the podcast back in 2014, wasn't it? Or so we started in 15, we started in 15, 15, but that was a dysfunctional year with weird quarterback play. And, you know, it was just, it just kind of feels natural to me and looking at your guys' faces all at the same time. I wish we were in the same room and damn me for not being in Ohio. Right. Yeah. Now. Yeah. You, you moved. It's your fault. Your fault. You are sitting in your future child's nursery. If we That's were right. sitting on your couch in 2015, like here's a flash forward to the future. It's like, where's Ari sitting? He's sitting in the nursery of the child. that's about to be born in a couple of weeks. I'd be like, whatever. Whatever, dude. <laughs> yeah, you Let's never get another Domino's. You, yeah. First of all, I never thought that having a child and marrying somebody meant less Domino's. But I'm rethinking all this uh, <laughs> adult stuff. Um, but yeah, it is crazy. Uh, it is very crazy because I also feel like both of you, even though Landis is younger than me, I think both of you guys viewed me as the idiot that would never grow up. And like now that I've kind of grown up, I'm still an idiot. Now I just convinced somebody. Uh, to have a child with me and spend their life with me. So, uh, yeah, life, now they're, man. yeah, yeah. I mean, crazy, crazy. And it's like, but here we are still talking about Ohio State. So, as, as much as uh, things change, I guess some things stay the same. But, yeah. like, look at Landis. Landis is putting his house up for, for the market, and Lord knows what NFL beat he might be on in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Doug's over here uh, charging people to listen to his podcast and creating books. It's, uh, everybody's just living the dream out there, but it feels really good to be back with you guys. Yeah, it does. I feel like, uh, for, you know, employment purposes, I should say that this is four to six with A and B <laughs> state podcast brought to you by the athletic Bill Landis and Ari Wasserman with Doug lay Maurice, our old buddy from cleveland.com. Doug wrote a book, the road mm. to Ohio state, incredible twists and improbable turns along the Buckeye recruiting trail. Doug, where can people get the book? Let's start with that. Where do people buy this book? I don't know. No, I saw there's shipping issues. There are some shipping issues. I went in. It was it was released like last Tuesday. And I was like, I'm going to go in to Barnes and Noble and there's going to be a wall of my books and it's going to be an emotional moment. And I'm going to think, Doug, you know what? You've made it. And I walked in. My book wasn't anywhere. Zach's book, Zach Meisel's book that's like seven years old was everywhere. Bill Rabinowitz's books are everywhere. I said, oh, do you have a new book about Ohio State called The Road to Ohio State? And the woman was like, let me look in the computer. She's like, who's the author? And I was, I didn't tell her it was me. I said, Lay Maurice. And I spelled it. And she typed it in and she said, no, I'm sorry. We don't have that. And I left <laughs> deflated. I was like, this is my moment. So anyway, it was just a little, I've read stories about how the pandemic is causing some shipping delays for bookstores. So that's real, but you can get it on Amazon. People have ordered it on Amazon and gotten it. You can order it on bookshop.org. And then that way it goes, the order goes through your local bookshop and you can get it that way. And I finally am, I have taken orders from people that you can buy it directly from me and I'll sign it. But I, they were late getting me the books too. But now I, they're on the way. So I'm going to have those shortly. So you can check me on Twitter at Doug Maurice, And I will put that up shortly. If you want to buy it directly from me and I'll sign it however you want me to. But yeah, it's most uh, places. I think it'll be at bookstores in Ohio soon. So I was thinking about this when I bought it on Amazon. I was like, is this Amazon was originally a bookstore, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was the whole thing. Yeah. And I was like, if you buy the book on Amazon, 
Is that the best way for you for people to buy the book? So I've said this in the past, like, cause like in 2008, I had like a book contract that didn't, that didn't, it fell apart then. Like it was my fault because the book didn't really come together. But like when you do it, it's like, please buy, if you're buying it from a bookstore like that, it's like, please buy my book or send me a dollar. <laughs> because it's like, you know, what the author gets of all the stuff. It's like, well, you know, so I do make more money if you buy it for me directly when I sign it. You get it signed. I'll sign anything. But then I make a little more money. But I, but buy it however, buy it the easiest, most convenient way for anybody listening to this. I'm so like now I feel like I anybody. got jobbed because I bought it on Amazon. But, but I want the it. signature. I'll drive to Dallas. I'll drive to Dallas. Like I yeah, said, you actually, put up I live for- one mile away from that Mexican restaurant we ate at together oh God, uh, so when when we went to the Oklahoma game and, and Doug decided to fly into Dallas and then leave at 6 a.m. Uh, the following morning of a night game in a different city. That was <laughs> it did save us thirty nine dollars on the flight. So wasn't it worth it? <laughs> a three and a half hour drive back to Dallas at four o'clock in the morning after 45 minutes of sleep after pushing also, our car out of the muddy parking lot the night before. with mud all over our clothes because our rental car got stuck in mud. Oh my god! But hey, on the way up was better because there was a casino with fountain drinks in it. So uh, you know, I've driven by that a few times since I moved to Dallas, and I think about you guys every time. So, uh, Doug, it is crazy because now in this world that I live in, I am quote unquote a national college football recruiting writer. Yeah, but like I feel like I didn't know anything about recruiting or how to cover it before I took the job at Cleveland.com, and. I gave a few ideas and I'll remember this forever. But when I first started at cleveland.com, you're like, so Ari, what are you writing this week about recruiting? And I gave a few ideas and you're like, those are dumb. Nobody wants to read that stuff. This isn't what we're doing. And then you like deflated me as a human. And then like a few months later, we came up with breaking Bama, which is now hanging in my office. But like now you of all people wrote a story or a book compiled of stories about recruiting. Uh, So what was that like? you know, going down memory lane, how much did you lean on institutional knowledge that you had from, you know, our time working together and how much did you steal from our reporting? All right. You want to know why I wrote this book, by the way, for real? Do you want to know why I wrote the book? So this is a series, right? Tom Van Haren from ESPN started it with a Michigan book that was telling these stories of Michigan players and how they wound up at Michigan. Then they decided, Hey, this is a good idea. Let's make it a series. So they did Alabama next. And then they called me and said, do you want to do the Ohio state one? And I was like, well, you know, I'm kind of lazy. I'm not a recruiting expert. And then I swear to God, this was my thought process. If I say no, they're going to call Ari Orlandis and they're going to do it. And that will kill me. Those now, so it was like the threat of you getting the book instead of me motivated me to do the book because I'd be like, that's exactly how I operate. I don't know if I want to do it. And as soon as you guys were like, hey, man, cool, I'm writing this book, I'd be like, man, I, I should have done that. Why did I say no? I so you guys are all gonna have uh, a million books out there in the future, and, and you guys would kill it. But I want to thank you for motivating me because, um. That's why I did it. So, Ari, to your, I mean, and you guys know that. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. of course you know that. And they probably should have called you first. I was like, maybe they would have dialed. They dialed the number wrong, and they got me by accident. So here's the thing, Ari. Like, but it's all it's all the stuff that like that we all that you did that we talked about all the time, right? That it's not dream school recruiting stuff. It's not, you know, just sort of like who are your top five. It's like the stories behind the recruiting. It's the kind of stuff. I mean, this is a collection of 17 recruiting stories, but. 
we've all written stories like this, right? I mean, that it's the, it's the story of why a guy makes his choice. And I think uh, that's interesting. And, and listen, man, it's like, it's, 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 some of the stuff isn't new. People kind of know the deal. They know the Ryan Shazier story, sort of, right, of how Ryan Shazier wound up at Ohio State, that he was committed to Florida, and then Urban resigned, and Ryan Shazier was like, what am I going to do? And now he comes to Ohio State. So, But it, hopefully, it's the stories you do know, it's more detailed. Maybe some of them you don't know. But it's just, it's the kind of like in-depth feature stories about recruiting, Ari and Bill, that, that you guys have all done, and we've all done. So I did have some, once I decided to do it, I had a couple that I was like, you know, like I knew I wanted to do Kenny Guyton in the book, having covered Kenny Guyton's crazy recruitment. And again, I think most Ohio State fans know something about that story, but I was like, well, this has to be in here. And then I, I feel like, I mean, I probably talked to 10 people for that one. And so I feel like I got more depth on that story. So even if you know the surface of it, I think I have some details maybe you don't know. But yeah, it's Ari, it's, it's, all, it's just stuff. These could all be 17 recruiting feature stories that you would read on cleveland.com or in the athletic. Right. And it's just, you collect them and put them in one place, but not, not constrained to the the length of it too. Cause you know, you, when you write yeah. for a newspaper, you know, or, I mean, I feel like even though we're all online publications now, we're still kind of constrained to the length of a long feature story that you would appear in a newspaper because 1500 words is a long feature in a newspaper. And that's what we think it is. Yeah. But like you're able to expand and go deeper than, then most people would let you in any traditional journalism outlet if you're just writing a feature. Yeah, it's like they're like 5,000, 6,000 words, probably each chapter. Yeah, so you go a little longer, for sure. There are, um, you know, I think there's there's names that you look through, the guys you've written about or you guys wrote about that I think people would come to expect, you know, the Bosa brothers, Eddie George. I do like that it kind of, it, it spans, it's basically from Woody up until now, right? Is that is that yeah. fair to say? So you have like, you know, you have Corny Green in there. You have Wyatt Davis, Trevion Henderson. Uh, did you write the Tom Skladany chapter specifically for me? For punting? Yeah. I, I tried to get Cam Johnson. And con- Cam Johnson wouldn't talk to me, so I said, who's the second best punter? No, 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 no. I didn't actually. Cam Johnson. I'm sure Cam Johnson would have done it. Yes, I wanted to put a punting chapter in there for Landis because I really was. I mean, for real. Like, I tried to mix it up so that I cut, I got at least one coach. I mean, for every, every coach, right. So there's a, there's a Woody, there's an Earl, there's, there's Coop, like everybody uh, all the way up through Ryan day. So I did want to do that. I wanted to balance it kind of offense and defense. I want to try to balance it geographically a little bit. I really wanted to try to not just tell like the 17 most famous guys, but yes, I, I, I honestly wanted a special teamer in there. And I think your influence mattered but honestly if we're being honest if i wrote a chapter for philly billy you know who would be in there and well, he's not well that's what i that was my next question is did you consider tate martell or, or and i wonder like with this series like you know tom van heron started it was there any consideration to writing about guys who had really entertaining recruitments that everybody followed but didn't end up at that school so i asked about that because then this was for ari i asked about torrence gibson yeah should i put torrence gibson in this book and the general vibe is Listen, for this thing that we're doing, it's really about Buckeyes. So if it's not guys who sort of, and I even, like I asked about Joe Burrow, like, hey, Joe Burrow, but he didn't, you know, he is a Buckeye and a lot of Ohio State fans have fond feelings for him. But then the end of it would be like, and then he went to LSU and all this stuff, or whatever. And it was like, it was it's sort of like, that's not really what this is. So, okay. so were, yeah, I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, 
I'm on the phone right now with the publisher of a book company, and I want to do the road to Ohio State, the, the unpaved road, and I want to do ones up in Torrance Gibson, Alex Anzalone, uh, Terrell Pryor, <laughs> all the craziest. I mean, For that real? would be insane. I mean, that would be a much harder, I'm assuming, but like that would be because you covered the hell out of the Terrell Pryor recruitment. I remember that. Right. I was like, 19 when you were doing that stuff yeah uh, just starting out on the beat like there's some pretty crazy ones in there too so terrell Pryor is not in this book and and adam jardy and i did a terrell Pryor recruiting podcast a couple months ago that we got on buckeye talk that we got a lot of positive response about because we basically just told our view of covering that recruitment but i will say and again it's not it's sort of what you want the book to be this is not the most controversial mm-hmm. recruitments in ohio state history and there is some of it I don't know, for instance, with Terrell Pryor, and I think it would probably apply to Tate and some of these other ones. I don't know exactly what the real story is right now, right? And there, I think if you want to dig in on the real story of all that stuff, I think you probably have to really dedicate yourself for a year to really getting after it. And I just sort of didn't have time to do that. And that's not, again, it's not exactly what this is. Not that these aren't interesting, but it's it's guys who wound up here and sort of were happy to be here, right? So, yeah, no, the unpaved road, Ari, because <laughs> I think you could do because some of them, I mean, to for to to write a book, the twenty most controversial recruitments in college football history, and the stories you won't believe. Ching. Yeah, the thing about those things, so. those those recruitments too, is, and it's like just impossible with some like because like one of the main people, Ted Sarniak and Terrell Pryor, he's no longer here with us. Right. Like he died, so like right. trying to like talk about some of these things is a little bit more difficult. But like it's just different different vibes, you know. You got people yeah. who you know had weird recruitments, and you know I, you know. Her, you hear all sorts of things, but you also have guys who came to Ohio state in very interesting ways, like in your book who were very successful and people want to remember fondly because they were so successful and they love Ohio state. And like, that's every bit as interesting to me. And it is, I mean, and Ari, and I mean, Bill, you write a lot of stories like this, but Ari is kind of what you do all the time. Now it's like, I just think it's hard that whole world, right? The really, really true, true stories of recruiting. I don't even know how you get people to tell, to really tell the story, yeah. right? That it is, there's some stuff. And, and it's just one of those, I would just, I would be nervous as someone who, you know, I, I, I trust myself, but if I'm not in that world all the time, I'd be nervous about like, is this right? Like I'm putting in a book. Am I sure this is the real deal? And, you know, great journalists do books like that all the time, but I would be a little apprehensive about that. But if someone had the time and the, the ability to really dig in on that, I do think that would be fascinating. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The problem with the the dirty side of recruiting, I think, is that it's impossible to vet. So when you have, yeah. when you have stories or people telling you things that somebody said, this person received X number of dollars in a duffel bag and I'm making this up completely, but that's the number one way of, of describing cheating. It's like, there's no possible way that anybody could ever verify that. So that's part of the reason why a lot of people don't get caught. And that's part of the reason why it's not written a lot about, uh, because there's just, you know, you hear stories all the time. When I did the anonymous coaching survey on the athletic in December, I talked to 40 recruiting coordinators across the country. And every single time I asked how prevalent is cheating, you know, 80% of them were just like very prevalent. You know, and someone would say someone dropped a hundred thousand dollars for a kid, and somebody said they gave him a new Apple Watch. You know, and it just ranged between those two things. But unless you can verify it, there's nothing to write about. So, uh, you know, to me too, that's just like I, I hope that NIL is going to get rid of that, and I hope that people will be able to cheat fairly now. I, <laughs> yeah. I just like to me, I feel like once you wade into the waters of money and stuff that kind of just takes away the fun of it. Like I yeah. like, I like listening to like the craziness that would have to happen in Ryan Shazier's life to get to that point. And I don't care who paid who, what, like that stuff is just to me, it's kind of watered down now. And it's like Ryan yeah. Shazier might've been a Florida if urban Meyer never left, but then he ended up at Ohio state playing for urban. And it's just like, Oh my God, that's amazing. And like, I want to read about that. I don't want to read about, prospects X got 10,000 bucks from some random guy in a trench coat to go play at Utah. Like, it's like, that's, it's like cliche to me now. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, there's, um, there's enough, like we, and I think we, we did this a lot. We still do it at cleveland.com. You guys do it a lot at the athletic and, and I'll be honest. I mean, there's a lot of good recruiting coverage on the Ohio state beat. We're going to talk about this on a Buckeye talk this week that you guys are going to join me talking about, life on the Ohio state beat covering this team. I mean, there's a lot of very uh, capable reporters that cover Ohio state, but I do love the strategy of recruiting, mm-hmm. right? The kind of stuff, well, this state school is not doing a good job. So Ohio state's going to go in there. Well, how do you balance? Well, when do you offer? Well, this five-star versus this four-star Well, in state, out of state stacking positions in a class, like all that stuff, which is legit, like right. And Pantone is super in on all the strategic stuff. I love that stuff. And we dug in on that stuff all the time, you know, like when we were yeah. doing this, that's what, that's what we did a lot of, and you guys still do. And we still do. So like that is, and, and you don't need the, like the, the underhanded stuff. Like there's so much 
I think there's so much to the strategy that's right there. That's like, oh, we're trying this. That and there's and there's definitely when I wrote the book, I didn't just choose players. I wanted to tell certain stories. Like for instance, there's a chapter in there on Damon Webb. But it's because I wanted to tell the story of when Ohio State decided we're going to go to Michigan and we're going to try to beat Michigan on its own turf and Kerry Combs and Urban Meyer making a choice to send Kerry Combs to Detroit and let's see what we can do. So Damon Webb is the vessel to tell that story. But that's a story about strategy, about invading someone else's turf as a way to defend your own turf. Right. That's all in that chapter. It's not. It's about Damon Webb, but it's because I wanted to talk about that kind of strategy, which I find endlessly fascinating in recruiting. And I also kind of feel like that kind of strategy. Uh, just so you guys know, I'm swiping on Tinder in between you guys talking. You're married. You're married. <laughs> <laughs> remember when I used to do that? And you guys would get mad at oh me. Oh my god! Yes. I can't remember whether we're in uh, 2015 or 2021 right now. That was 2015, Ari. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Doug no, used uh, to Ari, lose his mind. He used to lose think, his uh, mind. How are we possibly going to be recording a podcast? You're not even paying attention. Do you oh, think man. Jeff Hireman will have four four catches this week? Or he's like, oh, see that? <laughs> God, no. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> but that, what was the uh, – but that's the thing that Urban Meyer kind of brought, I thought. you know. And you yeah. covered Trestle way more extensively. I was just a Buckeye Grove loser at that time, you know, like 19 years old and didn't know how the job worked. But, like, did you feel like that strategy and, like, when you were going through the stories that you did, did Urban Meyer innovate as much as we thought he did in the process? You know, I think it's like how you apply your own version of strategy, right? It's where you put your priorities and the kinds of things you want to do. So Urban, yes, in terms of a national strategy and attacking, absolutely. He, I think, took things to a new level in terms of where are we going to spend our time because you want to go out nationally to get the best players, but you don't want to spin your wheels and, and waste time. But I do, you know, like there are a couple of trestle guys in there. Cam Hayward's in there as a trestle guy. James Laurinaitis in there as a trestle guy. You know, Shazier in the end, like came, came to play mm-hmm. for trestle and then it didn't turn out that way. But like the James Laurinaitis chapter, um, trestle talks about in there how whenever they got a note from a fan that was like, hey, there's a kid at my high school and you should recruit him. And Tressel said, like, there, they, he said, I'm going to tell our coaches as not as a, kind of as a courtesy, but it's like if someone takes the time to t- send us a note about that, about the kid at their high school, we are at least going to take a couple minutes to look because we can't, you know, everybody thinks the best player in their hometown should go to Ohio State. And that's not true, but we're going to at least acknowledge that they did this. And that led them to James Laurinaitis, like that practice that we are not going to just ignore these notes that we get from people. And so a teacher in Minnesota who was an Ohio State fan from Ohio sent Ohio State a note and was like, hey, you should check this guy out. And so Jim Trestle told his brother, who was like the Minnesota recruiters, like, look, check this guy out. And it was James Laurinaitis. So it's like, if they didn't have that, is that a strategy? I don't know, but it's a way of doing business. And then like, I never knew that. That's really, really interesting. Like if you don't have that way of doing business, you might not get a three-time All-American linebacker who was a three-star recruit that once they checked him out, they were like, there's something here. But it started with a letter from an Ohio State fan. 
it's also how technology is ruining America and the world, right? Because now there's so much easier to send an email than a note. You know, you might not pay attention to them as, as closely yeah. as you might have back then. But that's that's the kind of stuff, I guess, that, you know, you have to learn when you're reading this book, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I think I hope I hope there are, yeah, are the little details like that in here of, of how these guys got there. The Road to Ohio State, incredible twists and improbable turns along the Buckeyes recruiting trail. Go buy it. Go buy it off of Doug. He'll sign you a note. Uh, I have like two more questions when I answer the book, Doug, and then we'll maybe move on to some other stuff. Um, of all the, the the people you wrote about, like who was who was the guy, or who who was the what was the story? I guess you were like most happy that you were able to get everything you needed to write that chapter about him. And then, is there anyone that you wanted to write about and just like not enough came together for you to include in the book? So the one that I might be happiest about is Cornelius Green. Because again, I sort of told some side stories in the midst of telling a story, but a lot. So Cornelius Green was the first black quarterback at Ohio State, great high school player in Washington, D.C., recruited in the 70s. But a lot of what I told in that story was the story of Rudy Hubbard, who was the first black assistant at Ohio State, who was hired by Woody. And his first year that he was hired and was recruiting, he signed Cornelius Green and Archie Griffin pretty good Did yeah that work out okay yeah <laughs> but i i in that chapter i first sort of tell the story of how rudy hubbard came to ohio state and that rudy hubbard was this great running back from northeast ohio then he came to ohio state and he didn't really have the career he wanted to have and he was kind of mad and at the end of his career he kind of told woody like you didn't treat me right and then woody called him in and he thought woody was going to yell at him one last time and Woody was like you want a job and that's how the first black assistant coach at Ohio State got hired. Rudy Hubbard went on. He's in the college, just got picked for the College Football Hall of Fame, head coach at Florida AM, great historic career. And then he goes out, and then basically, I mean, it's reality. He goes out and was recruiting Cornelius Green. It's a young black assistant, which Ohio State had never had before. He's going head to head with a young black assistant at Michigan State, who's a guy who had played quarterback at Michigan State. And they are both going into Washington, D.C. to get after this unbelievable high school player that they're both going after. And so being able to tell that story, I know you guys, I've told you guys all the, like the novels and stuff in my head that I don't yeah. know if they'll ever get out of my head onto the page. I swear to God, the Netflix show of the night, the mid seventies. And it's about two young black assistants dressed like in disco clothes, recruiting <laughs> the best players in a city and going head to head and weekly it's like they're going you know you're hanging out with guys you're building relationships i'd watch that like watch i was thinking yeah. like to, or maybe it's just a movie or it's just like i don't know but like the story of and and there's this kid at the center at it there's this dynamic dazzling cornelius green type of player in the midst of it and it's these two absolutely cool smart energetic young black assistants trying to make it in this world where there's not a ton of black assistants and they're going after this guy. I've, I've had that script half written in my head. If somebody <laughs> wants to option the Cornelius screen chapter from this book for that series, please do so. But that, that I was happy to tell because I, I sort of told Rudy Hubbard's story, Cornelius Green's story. I touched on Archie Griffin's story because Rudy Hubbard was very involved in that. So it's the Cornelius green chapter, but 
you know, that it there's a lot more to it. So I was, I was happy to be able to do that. Um, I, I don't know that there was anybody that I thought I was going to do a chapter on that I didn't do a chapter on. I will say, I mean, this is just my failings. I don't know. I'm not, there's 17 chapters, 15 of the 17 chapters I talked to the player. So two of the 17, I didn't. And it's the Bosa chapter and the Eddie George chapter. So the Eddie George chapter, I was calling him. I was texting him. I had his number. I was doing this. He called me back once while I was on a podcast because I'm on a podcast 24 hours a day. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I didn't get to it in time. And then I never got a hold of him. <clears throat> but I did it anyway because I talked to Coop. I talked to, and this is sad. I talked to Eddie George's mom at length. She recently passed away. Yeah. Um, but she was unbelievable. I talked to his coach at um, Fork Union who coached him and his view on the recruiting. And then I did a lot of research and used some some things that Eddie had said in the past. I talked to Tom Bradley, the Penn State assistant who helped recruit Eddie George and the story of like Eddie George claiming Penn State wanted to recruit him as a linebacker to which Tom Bradley was like, man, that wasn't my fault. <laughs> so, you know, like, so um, I was disappointed I didn't get that. And then the Boses. I was talking to Cheryl Bose. I talked to both Bose's parents. I talked to their high school coach. I talked to Urban. I talked to Pantone. I talked to everybody around them. So I still think the Bosa chapter is a good chapter. But I was like on the phone with Cheryl Bosa, their mom, while she was like showing a house in Florida. And like Joey walked in. And I was like, please, <laughs> please, can you put him on the phone? Just hand Joey the phone. And it was like, oh, well, he'll call you back. And it's like, wait. Yeah. Once you get a certain level of fame, <laughs> if you get the he'll call you right back, it's like, well, uh, that's never happening. So Joey and Nick have talked enough about their recruitment and their, you know, we kind of know the deal. The Alabama Plus we had a lot of a lot of stuff that we wrote about it in the moment that you yeah. were able probably to use. Right. Like, I did. Got use, them on the I phone did. back then. Yeah. The Alabama door, the Alabama door about Joey. That's yeah. David yeah. Or we know that. And then John Bosa and Cheryl Bosa are just really interesting great people who who just told great stories of they they said they were like the Griswolds and family vacation with John and Cheryl and Joey and Nick like driving across the Midwest going to Michigan and Notre Dame and Ohio State and so I have like details about that that um, they were really good so I feel like I was able to tell that story but but so Landis like I don't know that there was one that I thought hey I really want to do that guy and I couldn't do it but if there's just I know people were like well, why didn't you do an Archie chapter it's like well like Archie's from Columbus. I, he's kind of been told a lot. Like I didn't do a Braxton chapter. It's like, well, Braxton, he's yeah. a great player in Ohio. You know, I, I, there's not a lot of stories that are, he was a great Ohio player and he went to Ohio state. Keith Byers is kind of that, but Keith Byers also had some interesting twists along the way that kind of pulled him other directions. There's not a Spielman chapter, but I talk about Spielman in the Byers chapter. Cause I kind of did one chapter that was, Hey, guess what? If you're a great player in Ohio, Ohio state better get you. And I told that through the lens of, lens of Keith Byers, but that applies to Chris Spielman, Braxton Miller, Beanie Wells, right? Like all the way through. That's still as true today as it ever was. I'm glad uh, you'll, you'll appreciate this, I think. I'm glad that you mentioned Rudy Hubbard because I talked to Rudy Hubbard like, I don't know, nine months ago to write a story about him going into the College Football Hall of Fame because like what he did at Ohio State is incredible too, but like he went to Florida and they beat Miami. <laughs> It's like the biggest yeah. win in the history of like black college football. He was the head coach and they beat Miami. And he's also got like, he's got some really interesting stories. I will eventually write that, but like, I've been just like in true Doug Lamarie's fashion. I've been just sitting on an interview forever. That warms <laughs> not, not my heart. Story. You could put, you could put Doug Lamarie's uh, tape recorder on eBay 
and it would just kind of be like a mystery box of like whatever is on this recorder you can use in your stories and it might be like a ten thousand dollar recorder i have i have a great d brown story to write from big 10 basketball media days <laughs> from 2005 that i still am going to get to one day i think i think i will write the rudy hubbard story like this year before he like i think they get inducted in december so i'll write it then but uh yeah i probably should have written it like five months ago and i haven't done that yet i thought you'd appreciate that yeah all right i Ari. have a story about a guy who helps park cars in the ohio stadium parking lot that I like went to his house and hung out with him. I think it's like a really interesting guy. Two years, two years have been sitting on that. So. Is that the uh, the guy that has like the the Buckeye nuts? That guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah Buckeye nut guy. Yeah. I'll get to it. I'll I remember you, you telling. I remember you telling me about that. I forgot about it. It was so long ago. Yeah, yeah that'll still be a good story someday. Yeah, I hope. I look, I look forward to reading it. And like, uh, you know, when Brian Hartline's the head coach at Ohio State. <laughs> but I always think like I think that adds depth to reporting. It's like you open with a scene. 10 years ago. And it's like, wow, Doug had the forethought. It's like, nope, it just took me 10 years to write a thousand word feature. Well, it's also a first person account of it too. So like, if you saw it, you can write it and then people will think it was just your beautiful writing and your reporting that made you able to have such a flowery opener, you know, but in fact, you saw it 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Someday. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Doug. Uh, I, you were talking about writing a book back when uh, Landis and I were, were little pups working with you and, you know, the fact to see it came through, it, it's great. And now I, I look forward to maybe another one because I, I know about the novel in the, in the head, too. So maybe you'll get to that. I hope when you're now working at know, Disney World. Now that, now that I know how to do it, right? Because, again, not a surprise. So I got this contract in like April or May of what year is it? I got it in April or May of 20. Right. It's 2021 right now. Right. April or May of 20. And it was like, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. 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 I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Nothing. Did nothing. Did nothing. Get to the fall. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll do it. It's like, oh, they're not going to play football. That'll give me plenty of time to write this book since the Big Ten's not going to play. I was like, I'm good. Then the Big Ten played. And I was like, oh, they're playing. I have a team to cover. Nothing. (laughs) Did nothing. And like wrote it. I mean, I wrote it in like six weeks because like I didn't I had like 14 months, but I didn't do anything. And did then, you use otter? Oh, my God. I used otter. <laughs> I don't think you can write a book without otter anymore. How could you write a book without a transcription service? I can't how write did people a, do it. I can't write a notebook without it. So <laughs> for real, I don't know. How did how did uh, who's like a famous guy who who writes stuff that has quotes in it? I don't know how you do it. So, oh, it was all otter. So thank God. But then I, I mean, like, so now I know I just kind of like really wrote it like in January, February, like really did a, most of it then. So, uh, so that, so now I know it's like, oh, if you just sit down and really crank, you can kind of do it. You can write 70,000 words in two months. Go by the book, The Road to Ohio State, Incredible Twists and Improbable Turns Along the Buckeyes Recruiting Trail. Uh, available on Amazon, available from Doug, available, hopefully, at bookstores uh, nationwide. No, 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 definitely not nationwide. <laughs> if you go, Ari, Ari, swear to God, Ari, if you find it in a bookstore in Texas, please send me a photo of that. Because I don't think it's a reach. I'll go to Barnes & Noble. I'll but go to Barnes & Noble. Be. Go to Barnes & Noble and demand it. Go in, storm in. Do you realize how large Buckeye Nation is? I I demand this book on a shelf. I don't understand why they wouldn't be able to order it for you. That isn't Barnes Noble able to order whatever you want. Yes, 
Yeah. You can. You can get it. I'm sure you can get it, but there's just it's, it's, it's some delays. I don't want to pretend you, like go go get it at yeah. Barnes and Noble. Just maybe yeah. not in Texas. I bet they sell it in Phoenix. All the Buckeyes who live there. You can get it at the Phoenix Barnes and Noble. Yeah. The, the Fiesta Bowl fan? No, that mean yeah, their Buckeye fans are everywhere. We know that. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, Doug. Uh, Ari, I think, has been itching here to, to ask you about what's going on with Ohio State right now. Oh. Um, so I'm going to be honest with you here. That was like a, a solid 35 minutes of book promotion, oh, but it yeah. was just a long, long con <laughs> just to get 25 <laughs> more minutes of, of the old days. And I don't know if that's, uh, if that's even possible, um, but boy, did we get you on at a good week, didn't we? Woo! We, we, waited, we waited a long time, and I, Doug and I have texted, and Bill and I have texted, I think all behind the scenes about, like, can we get one Buckeye talk? original Buckeye talk or BAD podcast reunion. And I think we're going to get about 20 minutes of it now, but what the hell is going on with Ohio state in your mind right now? So I think it's, I haven't liked some of the hires that Ryan day made. I didn't really first guess Combs. I can't claim to first guessing that, but there's some other things there that I didn't love. And I think they are in a recruiting dip. I think they're in a recruiting dip was we know that right. The 19 class, um, was the crossover class. And if you look at like the five stars in that class, right, there were four like really top hundred guys. One of them's Jamison Williams. He's gone. One of them's Harry Miller. We don't know what's up with him, but he's not playing. One of them's Garrett Wilson. He's awesome. And one of them's Zach Harrison, who everybody thought would break out this year and hasn't really broken out yet. And so they are, I do believe they are a, a step below from a talent perspective right now, but I also think some of the coaching hires are catching up with them. And I think it's possible. I mean, there, we still have a running joke with the tech subscribers and on Buckeye talk about me saying in 2019 that the Buckeyes were going to go nine and three because they had a new quarterback and a new head coach. And like, you know, what are you going to do? Sometimes you lose. So I just might have been a couple years ahead on that, right? <laughs> that I do think, I don't think they're going to go nine and three, but I think in the old days, you would have had a team have like a rebuilding year, right? And the, the top three or four programs don't have rebuilding years anymore, but there's some parts of this defensively and at quarterback where it, it is kind of a normal rebuilding year. The rest of the offense, no, it's not. But I think a lot of it is normal, but I think it's mostly recruiting dip defensively, especially, and some hires from an assistant coach perspective at important spots that I'm not sure about. Landis, we'll go around the horn here and we'll all give our opinions of what we think it is. Okay. okay. So, I think that you are a hundred percent correct on coaching hires. Um, you know, and nobody is going to sit here and act like 
when they hired Kerry Combs that they were like, this is stupid. Like it made perfect sense at the time. And I, and I, I don't know how much you can even fault the head coach for that because, you know, he, in theory, he probably viewed it the same way that we all did, you know, guy who's been at Ohio state who understands how to recruit top talent, went to the NFL, learned from Vrabel was somebody who had all sorts of defensive knowledge and is coming back to a natural habitat that he excelled in the past. It's like, okay. So now it's so easy to say, well, he's never had coaching experience before, so he sucks at his job. And it's just like, that might be true, but that's not something anybody was saying at the time. And if you weren't saying it at the time, then how can you hold the person responsible for that decision? It just sometimes stuff doesn't work out. But here's my recruiting take. Ohio State is still the third most talented team in college football this year. Um, I think that you are right that there was a recruiting deficiency, but I think the deficiency is happening at multiple positions, um, not the entire team. I think Ohio state has stacked too many players at one position um, at the receiver position. And only a few of them are having a real thumbprint on what's going on on the team. And I feel like this is the first time. And maybe since we started working together that Ohio state doesn't seem to have options at an entire position group. And it's like, I don't know uh, if you guys believe that on or, or with me on that, but like linebacker to me seems really dry. Um, it's the curse maybe of Bill Cody, Davis, baby. Yeah. And I don't know if that is the curse of Bill Davis, but like Cody Simon's pretty good, but it's just like, you look around the room and it's just like, who's going to go in. You know what I mean? And it's like that to me is also on Al Washington a little bit because they don't have any natural, studs that he would have recruited on the roster as well. Mm -hmm. And for somebody who's being a head coaching candidate, like give me one bullet point on the Al Washington resume. That means I'm going to go hire this guy to run my entire program. Cause like, I don't know what that is right now. Um, But also the thing that I don't know, and this is a kind of a, a, a sidebar is that not being very good or having issues and looking purely dysfunctional, I think are completely different issues because like, even if Ohio state did have a lull in 2019 from a recruiting class standpoint, the way that you put it, I don't know that that would be enough to get your butt kicked by Oregon. I mean, they're still infinitely more talented than the teams that they've been struggling with. So to me, uh, the recruiting lull certainly would have a, have an impact when you're playing Penn state or when you're playing Alabama in a playoff game, but Ohio state's dysfunction as a team right now seems to be a coaching dysfunction, not a talent dysfunction. Yeah. I mean, I think it's both uh, the, Ohio state on paper is the most talented or one of the most talented teams in the country where they have like 14 or 15, five stars, but like half of them don't play. It's like Kyle right. McCord, Quinn Ewers, Julian Fleming, Emeka Ibuka, uh, Donovan Jackson, Jack Sawyer, JT mm-hmm. Tuimaloa plays a little bit. It's like, I, I think you can see it. And I know, Doug, you guys have talked about like Ohio State in 2023 and what that might look like. I, I definitely think you can see that. Um, but there's just like the the consolidation of that high-level talent that puts them where they are in a talent composite isn't helping them right now. And I don't even know if it could if they wanted it to. Um, like, I don't know. I guess you could put Kyle McCord back there. We can talk about that. they're stacked. <laughs> but, it uh, looks good. It's stacked. The way it's been recruiting, it's stacked. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's like, it's twofold. Like, like I, would, I would on some level feel really good about where it's going because of that. Because clearly, I think the staff can, can recruit at the level that you'd expect at most positions. I mean, not at every position, which it deserves examination. But, you know, I, I guess I, I still put it on whatever the hell urban was deciding to do with his staff in like 17 and 18 when it's like Taver Johnson and Bill Davis didn't recruit anybody. Um, and they're suffering now at like at key positions on the defense. I think because of that, it's not only on that, like, as you mentioned, this staff has been in place long enough where there should be some dudes who are helping this team now that was recruited by the staff that was brought on in 2019. And that's not happening enough, but 
They are. I, I, I really, really think they're feeling the brunt now of, of what happened at the end of Urban's tenure, especially when it comes to defensive recruiting deficiencies. I mean, I do think, right, that, that you are responsible for your position group, but Al Washington is dealing, like Al Washington recruited Cody Simon, and he kind of looks like maybe the best guy so far, but they are dealing with a lot of the Bill Davis leftovers. I also would be intrigued. So, for instance, and like, again, stacking recruits, I think on the defensive line, they have five guys in their defensive line rotation that are like top 40 national recruits, right? Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith, Teron Vincent, Jack Sawyer, JT Tuamaloao, right? Those are all top 40 national guys. I don't think they have anybody in the back seven who's a top 40 national guy. Um, Other than maybe like Jordan Hancock, who's not on the field yet, or Ja'Kalen right. Johnson. Nobody yeah, I think playing. he's the only one, yeah. Proctor was like in the 70s. You know, Taraja Mitchell, I think, was up there. But so... Oh, he was, the, yeah. Yeah, he was. So the thing I also wonder about, and this is, uh, I don't know, maybe Ari, like this is the kind of thing that you'd be great digging into. When you stack, but here's the problem is like Bama does it and it's fine. But Ohio State stacked consecutive number two recruiting classes in the country in 17 and 18. And I feel like a lot of the 17 guys blocked the 18 guys. And so the fourth year, 18 guys that were part of the number two recruiting class in the country aren't really getting them over the top right now, especially defensively. And is it possible that if you stack two great recruiting classes on top of each other, do you stagnate the development of the second class? Because Taraja Mitchell, Teron Vincent, Tyreek Johnson, who left, right? Some of those other guys, like these fourth-year guys. If the third-year guys, there's a dip. Okay, so it's the dip. The third-year guys are the engine of your program at most great programs. And that's where their recruiting dip is. So I think that's natural. But it's like the 18 guys aren't exactly like making up for it, right? Like I guess NPF's an 18 guy, and he's, he's doing his job. But you know what I mean? Like I, there, there are a lot of highly ranked recruits in 18 who are not busting out all over the place right now. Yeah, yeah the thing about yeah. – oh, go ahead, Bill. Well, the, I was just going to say, like the, the only guys from 18 who have really, I think, like become what you thought they would be are Nick Petit, Frere, maybe to some extent Josh Proctor before he got hurt. He looked like he was like trending in the right direction. And then like Chris Olave was like the, the find of finds, but nobody thought he would be this. So like he helped, he helps balance it out a little bit, but man, and Cameron Brown too, looks like he's maybe trending in the right direction as well, but he was another lower, lower recruited guy. The rest of this class, man, there's, there are a lot of top 150 ish kind of players on here who, I mean, they're not bad players, but they have not become stars. I think in the way you thought they would. And when you stack classes on top of each other, I think that's an interesting theory. But in theory, when you have a top five recruiting class, not everybody's going to be a hit, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, when you have guys come in in the 17 class, just use those two examples, guys in the 17 class at certain positions that didn't work out, in theory, the 18 class that stacked in front of it would fill in the deficiencies because you're not going to miss all the same positions in back-to-back classes. And I think what's happening too is when you look at the 2018 class, specifically, you're looking at, two very important pieces on the defensive line in Teron Vincent and Tyreek Smith, who in, in actuality haven't been as productive as they probably were supposed to be. And then you were, you have a lot of five-star prospects now who came in as a 2021 class who just are too young to play. And like Zach Harrison also isn't hitting the way he was supposed to. And it's just like, well, you have half of the entire defensive line room is either too young to contribute or too old to be what they were supposed to be. And it's just like, there isn't a dynamic talent there. That's either been healthy enough to develop or has developed at all. And like, it's like, you're watching them play Tulsa and they can't get a pass rush. It's like, well, who's supposed to do it. 
Like, is Jack Sawyer supposed to be Joey Bosa? Like, because that's the standard that you have to have a true freshman to come in and compete the right way if your third-year guys aren't producing. It's like Teron Vincent was supposed to be the guy that completely changed the face of Ohio State's defense. And it's like, I'm not, I think they're lucky that any production that they're getting from him right now. And it's just like, I don't know. You have a legendary uh, defensive line coach, but it's like, I'm not sure the production from the defensive lineman is where it would be, um, you know, in all three layers, actually, of the defense, linebacker and secondary. And some of it's recruiting, and I think some of it is lack of development. And like, I just don't know which one is first. I mean, I do think it's tied together. I mean, don't they play defense typically in a way, and they played it this way when Kerry was here the first time, that it's kind of simple and it's based on out-talenting you, and it's like, we're going to get after you with a four-man pass rush. We're going to play man coverage because we believe in our corners. Try to beat us. And so when you have a plan that's predicated on elite talent and then you don't quite have this quite the same level of elite talent and you try the same plan, then I think that's where we are. Like Landis, I don't know. Is that is that a yeah. thumbnail explanation of some of the defensive stuff? Yeah, I think so. It's, it's actually kind of funny. I was I was watching. Uh, there's a there's a YouTube video from like last spring, maybe the spring before. Matt Barnes is like doing a coaches clinic, talking about their defense. And uh, one of the coaches asked them like, "Hey, like what? Like, we like what you guys do, but it seems like you'd be really susceptible if like teams want to run four verts on you. Like, how do you guys defend that?" And his answer was, "We don't defend it. We have Chase Young. So like teams don't even try to run it because they don't have enough time to do it because Chase Young was in their face in a second and a half. And it's like so much of what they've done here since, and I've only been covering it since the urban years, but has been predicated on." We can get after you with four. We don't have to divert any other resources to getting after you other than our four down defensive linemen. And if you can't do that, which is like very jarring to see from an Ohio State team, but is also the world that a lot of other like normal teams live in, uh, you have to change. And 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 we saw that last week, right, with them blitzing, even though that didn't work particularly well either. Um, but I just don't know. You, I, you can't line up and play man coverage for 75 snaps like they were doing the year they won the national championship. If you don't have a defensive line, they can get after people. And right now they don't have like, it's not even close to that. Like they don't have, they don't have anybody who wins one-on-ones. It's kind of weird to see like JT Tumalowo, I think has had some good moments and Tyleek Williams had a good game last week, but it's like your freshman defensive end who showed up six weeks ago and your three-star defensive tackle who had to lose 25 pounds to get on the field this year are your answers when you have Tyreek Smith, Teron Vincent, Haskell Garrett, all these other guys, like that's a real bad spot to be in, man. I, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know how they got there. And put yourself back in, in time two or three years. If you would have said Ohio state's 2021 defensive line is going to be Tyreek Smith, uh, completely developed Teron Vincent, completely developed Zach Harrison, completely developed. And they're going to have a five-star defensive lineman who's coming in. That's been compared directly to Joey Bosa. You'd be like, Oh my goodness, they're going to win the national title. And it's like the, this, the discourse this week is why can Ohio state not get pressure on Tulsa. <laughs> and and then I do think, and, and Landis, you asked Ryan day about, or I don't know if you asked day or Larry Johnson, but like they clearly played more zone and did different looks right against Tulsa, but they yeah. didn't look particularly comfortable. They're sort of dropping into zone, but then the line they're not getting the pressure. And so the quarterback has enough time to wait for the receiver to find a soft spot in the zone and against them right now with a bunch of guys who aren't used to playing it, they are going to find the soft spot if you don't get after the quarterback. And so they, they did make changes last week, but they still didn't really stop the passing game. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's another thing. It's like, 
it's another instance of Ohio State doing a thing that like only Ohio State does right now. Like not many teams line up with a single high safety anymore because it's really hard. And not many teams play zone the way Ohio State plays. Like they a lot of teams do like pattern matching, right? Where if the route comes in front of you, they'll follow that guy and it essentially turns into man coverage. Ohio State doesn't do that. They drop, they they call it vision and break. They drop with their eyes on the quarterback and they play totally off the quarterback. And if that quarterback has four seconds to throw the ball, he can use his eyes to move you. He's going to find windows all day because it's really hard to play zone just in general. And it's, it's, it's exceptionally hard to play zone when the quarterback's not affected at all. And as I asked Ryan Day, like you mentioned, the guys who are dropping, particularly I think the linebackers and, and the bullets, like the guys who are in those underneath zones, don't look particularly comfortable or aware of what's happening around them. Like, And that's coaching, I think. And maybe yeah. part of that is like they are inexperienced, I suppose, even though some of those guys have been in the program a long time. Maybe that comes with just playing more. Um, but it's a bad combination. Like, no, I think they're pretty good at corner. I'm not really worried about that. But like, no, it's weird of all the places right. where they're they seem fine. That it's corner is crazy. Right. But like the combination of no pass rush, um, unreliable free safety play and underneath droppers and zone coverage who look just like totally lost when they do so is why Tulsa throws for 423 yards on you. Uh, this is, I got to ask Doug two more questions. Okay. Yeah. Bill. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe one food one. Cause like, come on, <laughs> where did that, where did that start? I know we're running low on time here. Um, what do you think of the quarterback position? What would you with the quarterback position? Do you buy the CJ Stroud should, uh, you know, take a second look at this or, or they should take a look at CJ Stroud. Would you get other guys into the game in, in crucial situations? And, or do you think Ohio state's fine? And it's just a young quarterback. I would like to see other guys just to see, just to see. And, and that Ryan day, you guys don't see practice. He's practicing the best is, is a valid point, but I think there are some guys who maybe play better than they practice. And I just, I just think, it's very complicated, but I'd like to see Kyle McCoy run this offense just to see what it looks like to have a comparison, you know, and, and it might make CJ Stroud look great, you know, but I, I just think it's time. And I do think the point that Ryan day made is interesting about growing pains and getting to the other side of growing pains. But I do think when you have a lot of talented quarterbacks behind your talented quarterback, it affects the growing pains timeline because how long do you give it? And mm -hmm. what exactly do you think you're going to get to on the other side? So I am not like saying bench CJ Stroud, but I am saying I would like to see Kyle McCord. He's made it very clear that Quinn Ewers doesn't is not ready for anything right now. So give me a look at McCord. Give me a look at Miller. And I've said, you know what? If Kyle McCord comes out and throws four touchdowns against Akron, then I would say then I would play multiple quarterbacks against Rutgers and I would play multiple quarterbacks against Maryland and I would get to the bye and make a decision and come out against Indiana and Penn state and say, here's our guys who's going to play. But I don't think that's like not believing in CJ Stroud. I think it's cracking the door on a continued competition because I don't think so far, certainly his shoulder is a factor, but he's out there playing and I don't, you have to evaluate what's happening. I don't think CJ Stroud has played in a way that would make me say, Oh, he's definitely the guy, not just now, but long-term it's definitely him. And with what you have behind him, if the, if you're not at definitely, then I just would like to look. And everybody you, just wants to see it. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that's wrong. And if you think that you have to make sure that that won't negatively affect CJ Stroud, but I think you should be have a way to do that. 
And if you didn't want that reality, then don't recruit so many good quarterbacks on top of each other. I don't know. But what's the point of having options if you're not going to use any of the options? Because it certainly seems like Ryan Day likes the idea of having options or he wouldn't have this many guys here. So yeah, I, would look, have, I would look. If you have the options and don't use the options, all you're doing is complicating things for no reason. And creating bad feelings, right? You know, yeah. that I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I just don't think CJ Stroud has not, and it's not, necessarily fair but i think it's reality he's not like slammed the door on the competition so i would just like to see breaking news sorry i wasn't listening to anything you guys said because dallas kent has entered the transfer portal on the subject of uh you know 2018 and 2019 recruits haven't exactly panned out dallas he played one snap last week he played Sh- one snap shocked by how little he's played uh it's so funny because i remember exactly where i was uh or the day he committed i went to toledo and I was still, I can't remember where I was working. This is a weird, but like, I remember wrote a story about uh, how important that was as the continued Michigan, Ohio state rivalry and recruiting in, in the battle of Toledo. And just like, I'm so full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I really, I really feel bad for Dave Briggs and Kyle Rowland right now. Yes. Yes. Toledo's but, great hope. Maybe. Oh, well, he can go play for the Rockets. Oh my God. Bring him home. Bring him home. <laughs> It's just weird. I mean, like in, I don't know, six months ago, would we have said that Dallas Gantz, they're starting middle linebacker? 100%. Mm-hmm. I would have said they're starting. Yeah, they're starting two would have been Dallas Gantz and Taraja Mitchell. Before, yep. I guess we knew, maybe in the spring, before we knew Dallas got hurt, um, I definitely would have said that. I think everyone would have. Pretty wild. Yeah. yeah, it's. I And I actually thought, like, the little bit that he played last year, he looked okay. I don't know, looked, looked comfortable. Um, but, yeah, now they're down another linebacker. I want to ask one other thing, and I'm Go sorry I'm it. hijacking this. That's all right. It's your show. Doug, remember in 2014, it was the first year the three of us worked together. Picked up Landis in a Walmart parking lot in the middle of nowhere and drove to Baltimore to cover the Cambridge, I feel like, Cambridge I feel Ohio. Like I should have written a chapter in this book about the recruitment of Bill Landis <laughs> and how Doug Lamarice and Ari Landis. There was, there was some internal in. politics, too, I think, weren't there? There were multiple candidates for the but, job. I remember could, being asked who I preferred. Could we tell? See, this is the whole thing. Could we tell the real story or will we not be able to get to the real story? Because people I'll tell the real story. The record. I'll tell yeah, you the would. real story. <laughs> I, if I ever was involved in anything and somebody wanted to talk about it, I'd be like, Fuck, yeah, I'll, I'll tell the story. <laughs> uh, but I remember the genesis of Landis working with us um, was you guys sent me when it was just me, you and Meisel to I don't remember. Was it Dayton? The big 33 game. Where was that, Bill? It was it was the uh, Ohio North South Classic in Dayton. Okay, we was in we were in Dayton, and then they sent Landis from Cleveland there, and they sent me to cover Ohio State stuff. And Landis was covering this event like it was the Super Bowl. I mean, he was out there with his notepad. He was like doing live live blogs. He was he knew everything about everyone. This guy looks really good in this this coverage. He's like update. It was the most thorough coverage I've ever seen of the Big Thirty Three game. And I remember him and I were on the sideline together because we were coworkers just at different beats at the time. I was like, so what are you, uh, what are you doing for dinner? And we had like a twenty-minute conversation about, like, how, what he was going to do because he had a hotel room in Dayton that night. And I think he said something. He got ended up with Chipotle, and then I cast, like, chastised him. I'm like, you can't yeah. get local chains in Dayton, Ohio. What are you doing, man? You got to try something new. And then I remember he put dinner on the back door, uh, back burner. I mean, and covered this event, put up stories, did like the most thorough notebook I've ever seen. And then like months later. Dave Campbell's like, Bill wants to cover Ohio State with you guys. What do you think? 
And I was like, that dude, A, can come to dinner with me anytime. <laughs> and B, hustled his ass off at that thing. And that was like, I remember they asked us internally who we thought should be. And I can't even recall who else was in the mix there. But I was like, Landis is the guy. And yeah. I knew Landis wanted to cover Ohio State. Oh, he also was working on. Remember when we had that Cleveland.com office in like the flats? Yeah. Like was Landis crazy. was working on a story about uh, a, it was a recruiting story before we really figured out how we wanted to cover recruiting about a Michigan offensive lineman. Do you remember that story I'm, I'm talking about? And it turned out to be really good. Or was it a mm. Notre Dame offensive lineman? You were in the office that night. And you pitched me the idea of what he were talking about. And it was of a team that we didn't cover with a Cleveland kid. It was either Michigan or Notre Dame. And it was an awesome story. I'm like, this is the type of stuff that I should be doing. And I remember learning from him as I was trying to figure out how to cover recruiting for Ohio state. Um, But man, it feels like that was yesterday. But the thing I wanted to ask you, and if you remember, Bill, you can interrupt me, Doug. And this is, forgive me if this is cliche, but I remember exactly how we covered that 14 season as a team. Mm-hmm. Like we, everybody was just like, they're going to be fine. You know, I remember getting into a, a fighting matches on Twitter about they're not making the playoff. Mm-hmm. This team has a year to go. And even as JT Barrett was developing and getting better and better. And then he had that run against Minnesota where people ran parallel to him for 80 yards and didn't try to tackle him. Um, it became more and more apparent over on that Ohio State, over the season that Ohio state was going to be a national championship contender. But like, I never saw that till the very end. I never viewed them as a national championship contender until the very end. And I don't want to make parallels to this season because they've already lost a game um, and have looked shaky in the game since. But is it so easy for the three of us to dismiss Ohio State as a year away? And have we been spoiled by how good they've been? And does it impact the way that we view it? Because it's like other teams in this scenario would probably just be like, well, we're really talented. They'll get it. They'll figure it out. We're still good. It's like Ohio State, the, the world is on fire. And do you see any parallels between how we kind of punted, or at least I punted on, on Ohio State at the Virginia Tech game, and they, they got it together? No, I think it's very possible, because I do think you have to still look for, like, the rare individual talents that can kind of save you, right? Which is why I thought, like, against Oregon, it's like, who's going to save them? Like, they don't have anybody to save them. The quarterback's not going to save them. And the only two guys who can save them are the receivers, but they need a quarterback to get them the ball. And so who's going to save them otherwise? They don't have a pass rusher who's going to save them. They don't have a hair-on-fire linebacker who's going to make every tackle. They don't have a running back who's going to do that. Like, who's going to save them? And I do think, like, during the course of 14, especially, I mean, like, Zeke didn't come on until the middle of the year. But, like, once Zeke started coming on and Joey Bosa's killing people, it's like, okay, they've got – you can maybe see the elite guys who can drag them to the finish line here. So I do think like the Travion Henderson, them allowing Travion Henderson to be Travion Henderson is something that has to change our view a little bit. Cause I think he's capable of carrying them yeah. for a while here. <laughs> I think he can win them games. And then we have to be on the lookout. If they start, I would play JTT more. I know he got like 45 snaps last week. I would play more of that. And if he starts being a one man disruption and, and doing the things they're not doing it now, they're starting to get there again. And so I do think, Sometimes I think we all trended toward let's not let's be critical, but let's be honest about this. And so sometimes I think a good beat writer looks for flaws. You know your team so well, you know everything they do wrong. Because when you only know something on the surface, you first go to what do somebody do right? Right. That's why I yelled at you guys, because I knew you so well. (laughs) I could see your small little flaws, even though 95% of what you were doing was great. I was like, what about this notebook? But it's because I knew you so well, and I, I'm here to apologize. 
I do want to ask you a question before I leave this podcast, though. I want to ask me this question. Both of you. I want yeah, to ask do it. Question. Go for it. Okay. I, I, you know end, I think Trevion can carry him. I think JTT could carry him. And you know what? I watched Alabama against Florida. I'm watching more national stuff than I ever watched in my life because before I watched zero. Alabama had a look defensively where they had a single high safety and a tight end motioned and pulled a linebacker out. And the other two linebackers in the box froze and Florida ran up the middle and ripped off a 50 yard run. That should have been an eight yard run. And I was like, well, that looks familiar, right? <laughs> that looked like the 77 yard run that Ohio state gave up to Oregon, right? That it's, there are times and it's, you know, you just watch other, even other great teams and you realize, I mean, you go watch Clemson and be like, all right, well, if they had Kyle McCord at Clemson right now, I'm not sure the Clemson beat wouldn't be like, I I would give DJ a break to play Kyle McCord. They don't have Kyle McCord. Yeah. Because the there that, are other guys, yeah. other teams do struggle, and I do think sometimes covering Ohio State, I've forgotten that. Yeah, yeah. The thing that I think is interesting about the save them theory is that the Ohio State is in a weird place where they need that to be a freshman right now, where yes. it's like, and I know Darren Lee and Ezekiel Elliott, those guys were really, really young when they did it in 14. But it's like, where is Zach Harrison? Where is Tyreek Smith? You know, like, where are the guys that were supposed to be the ones that were saving them? You know, and that scares me a little bit of like, you need a true freshman interior defensive lineman who's looked great to be Joey Bosa, or you need uh, Jack Sawyer to be Joey Bosa. And it's like, there are a lot of players on this team that were compared to uh, crazy, good, great Ohio State players are in the recruitments that just aren't producing right now. And that, I think, is scary. If you're, I mean, it's, it's all defensively, too, because I think that Ohio State is one quarterback clicking away from being a 45-point-a-game team again, especially now that Trey Henderson has emerged as being as good as he is. The receivers, no question. I think the offensive line is fine. Tight ends are good. They're, they're fine on offense. But it's like, who's going to save them on defense? And it's just like, well... Josh Proctor's out for the year. And it's like, there's another thing. And it's just like, I don't know. And it's like, even if JT Tui Malau turns out to be an all big 10 freshman of the year and is really, really disruptive. I still don't know that I believe that Ohio state has enough in the tank to win a playoff game. Yeah. There's just not enough. Like that 14 team, like it was, it was Zeke and Joey and like Von Bell. Um, there were just, there were, there were guys you can kind of see them coming. And I don't know. I don't know if you see enough of that right now. With them, and there, are, I mean, there are. It's funny, like I, I forget sometimes that like Cody Simon and Tommy Eichenberg, right, or or both second year players, or just Cody Simon a second year player. Maybe Eichenberg's nineteen. I think Eichenberg's third. He's yeah. a third year guy. Yeah, there are a lot of basically freshmen <laughs> that, yes. they're, that they're relying on um, to get this thing turned around, which like I think makes it ex- not exciting but interesting. I don't know if Ohio State's been more interesting in my time covering the beat than they are right now, um, but it also could mean that they're not particularly good. <laughs> No, I know. It's like it's interesting because it's different, but I don't think it's interesting to the fans. Right. right who are right. like, I want boring awesome. Yeah. Which sometimes gets hard to cover, but sure can be fun to root for. What's your question, Doug? Did I drive you away? Oh, how no. crazy, how crazy was I <laughs> to work with at Cleveland.com? And did I drive you away that when you, you both had great opportunities to go work at the athletic and you've both done great work since you have gotten there, but what percentage of your decision was get away from Doug on a daily basis. And I am here for the brutal honesty. Being a hundred percent honest, 0%. Stop. I swear Stop. to God. I Being swear to God. 100% honest. 
0%. And I was going to tell you this too. You guys, when we, the three were together in Columbus doing our thing, I think that was the most fun I've ever had in this job. Yeah. And like, I think leaving you and to some, like to a certain, I mean, both of you, but like Doug, you were like the person that taught me how to do journalism. So like leaving cleveland.com almost, I know I, I had a very good financial situation, but I almost didn't take the finance because I didn't want to leave like your tutelage. So like that is a 0% chance. And like, I also, and if Steven means, and I mean, Nathan Baird's as old as me and you. So like, I, I, he doesn't count, but like Steven means I got a message for you. If Doug opens his mouth and tells you to do something like listen to him, because you're looking at two people who have gained quite a bit in this, this field, listening to somebody and, and, and taking direction and taking it seriously. And like the way I view journalism, I have a little bit of extra anger that I don't know that I would have without you. Oh, uh, <laughs> I get, I get super angry a lot at dumb things. I see, um, I think it was from you, but like, I credit you more than anybody else in my entire life from a professional standpoint for helping me get to this point. And like, I'm forever grateful for that. And I think I've said that to you a million times, but like, I want everybody else to hear it too. Yeah, well, you I guys mean, are I very gracious that. about that. You yeah. guys, are, I appreciate that. Yeah. I echo, I echo everything Ari said. I don't have a, yeah, you were not, you mean, <laughs> we don't have to tell people the behind the scenes, but you know how it was <laughs> when I was trying to decide whether to yes. leave or not, it was a very difficult decision. Um, and me deciding to leave uh, had, had nothing to do with, with work. You know what it was? And this is an Ohio state podcast. But like you've seen videos on YouTube of Woody Hayes grabbing someone's face mask and yelling in their face. And then like if you were to find that person now and be like, what was it like playing for Woody Hayes? And they'd be like, that is the greatest man I've ever met in my entire life. And it's just like the yeah. guy literally just threw you on the ground and called you worthless and kicked you out of practice and told you you're a piece of crap. And it's like if that if Woody Hayes wasn't in my life, I would be on the street somewhere. And it's like in journalism, I feel like if I didn't have Doug, I might still be working for a fan site somewhere or selling uh, to my dad. So like. You, I remember certain things from working at cleveland.com very vividly. I remember how I wanted to do the job and the first day on the job with Zach Meisel, who is also at the athletic. Thank you for being the best farm coach. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the right implication because cleveland.com is a very great job, but we were like, what ideas do you have? And we we're both Meisel and I were like, eh, we'll see how it goes. And then you screamed at us on day one. And then the recruiting ideas I came up with were terrible. And it's like, looking back at it now, I needed somebody to tell me that they sucked and that this isn't how to do the job. And you drive the narrative of a news conference. You don't arrive at a news conference. And things that I still think about every single day. So 0%. Um, and I'm going to ask you one last question. Yes. Well, two last questions. One, any new food takes before we go? Um, I'm actually a little out on Chipotle right now. Which, which I think you would be happy to hear. My whole family's a little out on Chipotle. Um, yeah. Sometimes the 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 chicken, the the quality of the chicken, it is a little not exactly up to par for me. And I will say, my body no longer processes the hot salsa from Chipotle, so I cannot eat it. <laughs> okay. So that, and I love that hot salsa, but I feel like I have to go to the hospital every time I eat it. Not it's while delicious. I'm eating it, but. Four hours later. So why, why don't they have a single salsa on the face of the earth that is as delicious as the hot salsa, but not quite as painful? I don't know. Like the flakes. The what flavor's the flakes, great. The, I don't know why. I don't know why they do it that way. The human body, the human 48-year-old body, at least of this middle-aged white man, is not built to process that salsa. So 
that makes it more difficult. But um, you know what? I'm eating some more like like uh, pre-made meals that you get at home when you get the little vegetables on the side. So like I'm I am actually slightly less uh, involved with the fast food world um, than I used to be. But my my favorite hot buns are now in Columbus, which I made you guys eat hot buns in Chicago and uh, they're available to me now. So that's good. Giordano's, which I love is now was Chicago thing is now a mile from my house. So that's good. So I have a cornucopia of options before me, but I'm trying to eat more vegetables. My thing with Chipotle is they don't have a single metric of of meat distribution. They should have a scooper. And if you know what a portion of meat is, you know what it is. It's subjective and it drives me crazy. Well, it's the art of meat, not the science of meat. So I think some people could argue they want the, the, the meat artist that allows them, you know what, you're getting a little extra here this time. Do you feel like you get under meated? Yes. That you get less than you should get at times. I think that sometimes I have a rice burrito. And sometimes like if you ever order Chipotle and you're not there to monitor it, like I will never do that. The only way I'll ever eat Chipotle is if I'm in line and I can watch the person. And what I do is I watch the first scoop. And then depending on how much they do on the first scoop, it determines whether or not I ask for double meat. And then at the end of the counter, if the person doesn't ask me if it's double meat or not, I don't tell them because if they can't tell, then it's not double meat. Wow. You just That's- outlined a plan for meat thievery. That it should is- be. It should be just like a cup. What, six ounces or whatever, six ounces cup, you scoop, you put it on the burrito or the salad so you know every time what you're going to get. But what about the moments when you get 7.23 ounces of meat instead of six ounces? It's rare. It doesn't happen enough for it to even out. Yeah. (laughs) Doug, you should try the uh, jalapeno popper chicken sandwich from Wendy's. I can't. I mean, I do. I do you want me to. It's like, oh, where's Doug for interviews? He's in the bathroom. He worth can't it. come. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's good. The, it the, ratio, the ratio of what is worth it going in versus what is worth it later changes at age. So I'm going to yeah. be down to eating brown rice by itself soon. It is a very important question that every, every man, woman and child at some point has to reckon with. I'm not, I'm yeah. getting, I mean, I'm, I'm 32. I'm getting, I'm getting close to that, to that time. Um, and I already might be there after eating his Pocky uh, death chip. Maybe he's the second, second guessing what he eats now. Too. The, the second day of that was worse than the first. I'll yeah. put it that way. Yeah. yeah. That uh, was, that was, that was, that was heat that I have never had. Like I'm, I like spicy food and like the Chipotle sauce that you just were describing was, is hot. This is not flavorful. It tasted like ass. And it was meant to torment you. There's no other way around it. It's just like drinking gasoline. But yeah. worse in the moment or worse later? Later. Because okay, later, that would scare me. here's the thing about the chip that people don't realize. And I don't think I said this at all. So it's good that we're getting it in here. But the only defense mechanism to the type of heat that you're experiencing is drinking milk in the moment. So when your face is on fire, you can only drink milk. So I drank a half a gallon of milk and it would have been more if I had more than a half a gallon of milk. So that helped me get through the initial wave of pain in the mouth, but I'm 34 years old now. And if a person drinks a half a gallon of milk, it has a weird way of unsettling your stomach. Mm. So the next day when my body was processing all that milk, it made me have to go to the bathroom multiple times. And those times were very unpleasant. 
Yeah. So it wasn't like the milk didn't like die down the spice in my stomach. It right. inflamed the exit. <laughs> so it was <laughs> like, I, it's like, I don't know if that's TMI, but it's like, if there was a non-dairy way of getting the, getting the spice to calm down in your mouth, yeah, then I would have done that. But the dairy makes the next day worse. I'm not doing it. Yeah, I would it never don't. do that. You guys got like another hour to talk about you know, food and how our, our bodies work? Or are we good? <laughs> what if we, that's our thing. It's like, hey, we're not going to do a football podcast. We're just going to do an anatomy podcast and about processing things. Uh, can, we, can we like do a podcast that's not about Ohio State football, just the three of us that doesn't compete with anything that we're doing professionally that would be listened to, you think? Like if you yeah. and I and Bill decided a to do a food podcast where we just talk about food the entire time, I think we would get a pretty high listenership. We could get together again and be a team and also not do anything that would compete with what we're already doing and maybe monetize it. What if what if like a podcast called if it was called what you eating, what you watching. Oh, and it yeah. was like eating stuff and like watching TVs, shows and streaming services and movies. What you eating, what you watching. I'd do it. I'd do it. Uh, we could start it tomorrow. Yeah. We could also call it the dairy makes it worse. <laughs> <laughs> or inflamed exit. Uh, yeah. yeah. This is not the proper. What was it? Uh Croissant is not a vessel for breakfast meat. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, chicken is not a breakfast meat. Yeah. Well, we can't start down that road. We don't have enough time. Um, we're, we're already overburdened. Just so you guys know, like, I'm, I'm kind of like rambling right now because I don't want to say goodbye. This was so, this felt Ever like this was cathartic. Yeah. But what people don't know is that we're going to stop recording this and then immediately start recording uh, an episode of Buckeye Talk with Doug. That so, is like, great. we're not, we're not quid saying pro goodbye. Quo, Clarice. Quid yeah. pro quo. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. So, let's wrap up this podcast. So we can go record uh, the next one. Thank you. Uh, to the Woody Hayes of the Ohio State beat, Doug Maurice, for joining us <laughs> on a four to six with A and B. By the book, The Road to Ohio State, Incredible Twists and Improbable Turns along the Buckeyes recruiting trail. Uh, readcleveland.com. Those guys are great. Ari and I very much enjoyed working there. We hope that you support them like you guys support us. So uh, thanks again, Doug. This was great. Great to be with you guys. I miss you, Doug. I miss I'm you guys sad. too. <laughs> right, we'll talk to you guys after the Akron game. Ooh.